happy Saturday, Robert. Happy Saturday to you. The question, Robert, uh, that the world has tonight is, of course, how great is the cinematography matching up with the cinema itself in the film Friday the 13th, Part 7, A New Blood? (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I rewatched a little bit of it. Uh, I think there was a marathon going on, and I thought, oh, and I was, a lot of people love Part 7, The New Blood. I thought, oh, maybe I'll just, I'll watch a little bit, and I just, uh, it has that total 80s kind of soft focus, you know what I mean? Like, everything is a little bit TV-ish, kind of out of focus, but my issue is with the sound. They have, like, (laughs) three records going on at the same time. (laughs) They'll put on a little bit of Friday Night soundtrack and an overlap with some other kind of new stuff and it just doesn't match what's going on on the screen. And I remember in the theater being kind of like, what is happening here? <laughs> I never, I never really put that together. And then you mentioned that. So I, I watched like a part of it and you're absolutely right. It just, it's almost like they weren't listening. The audio engineers, if I, if there were any listening, watching what they were putting the sound there, I think they were just like laying down music tracks during like visual moments that were dark and looked maybe scary, they're like just just put that here, but it was really like poorly assembled. No attempt at mixing, or they just like <laughs> it was just kind of overlapping, and then um, yeah, people would be kind of doing random, non-scary things, and the music would be going ring, and I'm like, she's just walking. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, what's happening? And it's I like what when you just said. Um, it has that TV kind of out of focus feel to it because it does. It doesn't really look like some of the other Friday the Thirteenth movies. It looks sort of as if you were watching a bad episode of Tales from the Dark Side or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, this is when you know, starting with Part Six, the and then then Seven, it got got a little too slick. Um, and I yeah, kinda, like like we talked about before, I kind of like my Friday the Thirteenth gritty. And I do too. And with some decent dialogue, you know, uh, (laughs) given the source material, (laughs) what would your, what, in your opinion, what's your least, or what is your least favorite Friday the 13th entry? Uh, ignoring the remake. Um, yeah. Original, a price still Jason goes to hell. It just kind of, that went off two off the rails for me. Good call. Then, uh, that would be a second for me. I think eight Manhattan is still the worst one. Manhattan. <laughs> I just can't. I watched that last October. I think I was like texting you during it, and I was like, "This is just so bad." I don't think I'll ever watch this again for the rest of my life, unless I were with somebody that never saw it, yeah. or there was a marathon and I was watching them all. I would never seek that out again. Let's watch. And that guy just died. The the principal uh, in the the film. I think it was 93. Oh, yes. You did mention that, I believe. Jason Goes to Hell is pretty bad. Yeah. He was kind of old then, but obviously. Yeah, he was. He was old then. Uh, Friday 13-7, though, is funny that you did bring up the the score and the way it doesn't really match it because it is really, like, poorly produced. And and the dialogue's terrible, you know? (laughs) I mean, they're not. None of them are Citizen Kane's, but it's it's not. The other ones I feel were so much better. Yeah, they they tried to kind of do a best of, I think, 
and kind of put these kind of characters in and maybe so by the time that one came out i was 18 so obviously i'd kind of grown up a little bit but i already knew i'm like this is not good and <laughs> I don't play not good uh, my favorite moment though in that one is when uh the girl gets thrown out the window that she's tossed out the window and she kind of suddenly comes a stunt man in a long wig <laughs> yes it's so bad i i seven is in my bottom three probably i think um it's jason goes to hell seven and probably eight i think the last three were bad five is probably there but five still has some enjoyable scenes and it was still had some good acting in the sense of like that franchise um it was scary more scary than seven seven i don't understand the plot of the doctor that it's bad news cruise um (laughs) (laughs) you've met him right you've met all these people yeah um actually that that actor in particular i was more excited to talk to him about he was in the movie looker uh uh which was directed by Michael Crichton. Um, I know what you're talking about. Was he was in that movie. Yeah, and Albert Finney. He played like one of the TV producers. So um, I, I talked to him more about that than anything else. But um, but yeah, he was he was a fun guy to meet. And and I think it's probably weird for them that they do, do these little, you know, he's probably on that, was on that shoot for like three weeks tops. And like now he's, you know, they do conventions now. And, you know, these movies follow them around forever thinking that they probably just did as a for a quick paycheck yeah that's what i love about that whole uh the horror film 80s 70s short you know the circuit of the short circuit is great flick but the circuit of doing those films is these are bit parts for a lot of these uh actors and, and a lot of them were forgettable roles or they never did anything else after that uh, I'm saying some of them, not not yeah. all of them, obviously, but but some, but that that's all they needed to do, and that will follow you around forever, and you can make money off of that. Some people do it shamelessly too, which is great. I love yeah. when you see like, what's that? They get a little too into it, some of them, but yeah, I'm just thinking of you're familiar with the WWE, formerly the WWF wrestling. There was an actor, I say actor, he was a wrestler in like the early '90s, late '80s, named Virgil, and there's WWF is a big WWE I should say is a, has a big cult following. There's a lot of people I watched it as a kid. I fell out of it after I was like 10, but there was a big, there's a big following of that. There were these wrestlers from the eighties will still like do conventions, obviously. And there was this one wrestler who's so shameless. They created a website called like pathetic Virgil or something like that. And what this guy does is shows up at conventions related to, or not related to wrestling and ask people to give him money for like autographs. And it's like sad. He's done like malls and like outside of like a NASCAR event. Yeah. Like not unrelated to wrestling, but but I see some of that with these um with some of the uh film stuff. But the thing with the film conventions that are so cool with these horror movies in the eighties is you when you see these people, you're like, Oh, you were that you remember that scene and it's like reliving it's like living the movie again. Actually, one of my not so good uh, interactions was Uh-oh. with an actor from Friday Thirteenth Part Seven. That I think because I'm kind of a completist, you know, even though I don't yeah. love the movie, but I thought, oh, he's here, I'll get, it. I'll pay and get his autograph or whatever. Literally, yeah. could barely interrupt his conversation with his friend to to kind of give me the time of day, and I'm like, Ugh, what a waste. Who? Who? Which actor? I won't name names, but William Butler. William. <laughs> 
Wait, who 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 was he in seven? Was he, he the the boyfriend that gets killed at the beginning with his girlfriend? Um, they're, they're on their way to it. Like he plays the cousin, I think. Uh, William so, Butler. And in he was part in, seven, like, Chainsaw Massacre three and some stuff like that. So I could have caught him on an off day, too. Oh, him. Yeah. He got killed in the woods in that movie. Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's not really safe. Well, but he got killed in the woods. <laughs> Everybody did. Um, oh, he was too. He was too cool for school. I don't know. I think maybe he was just busy or I interrupted. I don't think he's busy. I don't think William Butler's busy. I just had to Google him. I don't. A waste of time, but that's so rude because that you're there for the fans. Yeah, but it's okay. There's worse. <laughs> you probably have some. You could probably write a book on your interactions with all these celebrities. Uh, yeah. Somebody. I, it's been. I've been thinking about it a little more because it's uh, Sundance Film Festival's coming up again, and yes, we're gonna attend it virtually. But um, and usually your your interactions with them are pretty short and sweet, but sometimes the more you're around them, I'm thinking back to the 20 Halloween, the 25th anniversary convention in 2003. And yeah. you were almost around some of those people a little too long. And <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, you just got to get, they kind of got, you got to know their kind of kooky personalities a little bit. And you're like, Oh, oh. Like, maybe it's better to, <laughs> that to we keep... kept it brief at the table. Uh, yeah. You don't want to see the wizard behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> You got to know their 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 quirks. Yeah, too close. That's funny. That's yeah. I love I love that you went to all these conventions. I hope when COVID's over, you resume and there's more I photos. I think they will. I think you know. I think it needs people need to be really, especially the actor. I mean, it's just they encounter so many people and taking pictures that it's really gonna have to be in a super safe zone uh, by the yeah. time. Yeah, uh, they'll they'll kind of resume and and kind of kind of that that back to normal mode. I have a theory about when COVID's done. And when I say COVID's done, I mean we're all vaccinated. There's no more worry, whether that's a year or two years, whatever. Everything that happened before is going to happen again. Uh, or Everything that was going on pre-COVID will resume, but it's going to be like double. People are so tired of being inside and losing their minds. People are going to do everything. Even if they don't like it, they're going to do it just to have that like human touch. Yeah. You know, I think I went to one baseball game here in the past five years. I'm going to go to 30 at Dodger Stadium just because I can, and it's open. Like, that's all I'm going to do is just immerse myself in every public event. Oh, it's South African one-armed jugglers convention. Sign me up. I'll be a sponsor. How can I get there? I feel like people are just going to go out, and I don't think people are going to be afraid. Some people will be afraid to do it. Yeah. But I, I think people can't even keep their masks on now and listen to the rules. That well, there'll be no problem integrating society when this is done. We're still will, getting together. Yeah, and I hope people. I mean, I try to live my life without regret and traveled when I can. So yeah. Um. So I know that's probably the my only down, not downfall, but uh, sadness about 2020. But there's other people that it's just a reminder, like don't put off doing the things that you want to in life because you don't know when that chance will be taken away. That's a really good piece of advice. That's very deep, Robert. We can all take a page out of your book. Oh, um, people have been, yeah, I've been starting to get more questions like, are you traveling? When's the last time you've tried? Have you left Nebraska? I have not. You're, you gotta, you're playing it safe. You're doing the right thing. I'm trying to, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I want to bring up The Stand. Mm. The Stand, episode five. Um, 
we just watched this this week because it came out this week. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting Edge Radio. But uh, before we dive into it, there is a scene in the in the in the episode that they're at uh, Harold Lauder. Howard Lauder visits um, Fran and uh, Stu's house. And you me- messaged me that you actually recognized that house. Oh, yeah. What is that house from? I recognized the area. And uh, because I was like, I'm like, oh, I betcha that's North Vancouver. North Vancouver houses kind of have a certain look to them. So oh. um, I remember yeah. Carrie's house from the, uh, the TV uh, movie Carrie. TV yeah. Was it 2003? Her house, I think it's not too far from there. So I was like, oh, and so immediately I'm like, oh, I need to find that house. So I found uh, that house, and then a few blocks away is Harold's new house as well. Oh, his previous owner loved vintage wine. Yeah. You can't vouch for the vintage, but he liked wine. I didn't understand that line. I can't vouch for the vintage. How would he know it's vintage? I I don't know. I, my, my issue with that scene, or I guess the scene following, is Please. Uh, he has the little teddy bear camera. Oh, you know, and then, oh. uh, but then he has cameras in his own house. I'm like, is the internet still going? What? Thank how? you. <laughs> I thought the same thing that everyone's still by candlelight, but the power is clearly back on. Yeah. But they're still using candles. Okay. Maybe you're just saving energy, but the internet, they still have capability. I don't understand that. And it's too far of a distance for like, uh, a cell phone. Well, it wouldn't matter because they don't have the internet. So how does that work? I don't know. I so and now so he could have you know closed circuit cameras in his house and maybe as a uh, DVR or something like that. Even though people don't really have those anymore, but yeah. he I don't know how he'd be able to transmit the teddy bear camera. And it may and I might maybe I missed the the scene where he gave her the teddy bear. Um, I assume he planted it there. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I feel like when he went upstairs to use the bathroom, that's when he did it, but they never showed that. And the teddy bear kind of snuck up on you. Season season one, obviously, episode five. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, it take there will be some slight spoilers, but it does uh, take you to Las Vegas to New Vegas, which I thought they did a really good job on. Um, and we've spoken about that in the last episode. Uh, uh, when are they going to go to Vegas? And they did. And we can get into that in a second. But there's still no trash can, man. Yeah, unless I missed them somewhere. Uh, maybe a, a cameo. But I thought, oh. And and we talked a little bit offline about how, obviously, he's usually important to the ending. But I, we know they, they might be redoing the ending or adding a different coda. But we know the part's been cast. And so it's just kind of like waiting uh, for that character to show up. But th- that character in the book... Yeah, and in the original TV movie, he'd he'd be kind of getting trying to blow up more things, and and that was kind of the part of the allure, and then radiation poisoning and stuff like that. So who who knows what we'll get? We don't. Yeah, it's it, that's a really good point too, because uh, as you mentioned, Trash Man is a more more important role in the book, um, and in this episode or in this series, they. Do things kind of fast. I felt like they killed off the spies in Vegas quicker than the novel. Um, so I don't know. I'm very curious to see where this goes. But I do like, just real quick, back to your point about Harold Lauder. Um, I do like that they took their time a little bit with uh, that episode. They showed sort of um, the 
the, the, the fallout from Harold killing, you know, that guy. And they had like the, the dinner with Stu was uh, uncomfortable, which was good. They kind of added to his level of creepiness. And I, I, there, were, there were no flashbacks you mentioned. Yeah, not that I remember. And I feel like that works. Again, uh, for the most part. I hate yeah, I enjoy giving it. Amber Heard any more credit than she probably deserves. But no. like, she she's probably her she actually has different character arcs and her character is doing things. Everybody else is kind of on a one note moving forward and she's kind of waffling a little bit or seems to be. Yeah, her why character. is that? I, I don't know. I, because I don't know if the good guys are, are, are so good and some people are kind of caught in the middle and even Harold a little bit. I think obviously he had I think it was this past episode on uh because he, he was asking why'd you kill him and so obviously he has still some uh, he's a little bit on the fence or whatever um and and that's actually that that type of characterization makes it interesting whereas all the other characters are just kind of <laughs> kind of just doing this just yeah they're just kind of doing their thing and, and there's mother abigail who's there's talking and then there's talking oh okay mother a Mother A. Yeah. Mother A. She's gone. I do like uh, Vegas that they showed the Hoover Dam in the beginning and they showed the empty Vegas streets um, because the original, there's no argument that it was a very, I mean, I think even in the original, when I say the original, I mean the 94 miniseries, I think they shot in like old Vegas there. It wasn't even yeah. like modern 94 Vegas. It was like 70s, 60s Vegas. So yeah. it was really did, dated. They did some location. This one shot mostly in a an old casino in Vancouver. Um, so everything that you see kind of indoors. Um, but it looked better than I thought. Um, and even though you can usually kind of see the seams of like, like oh, they're just they're adding, you know, fire line, lines to make it interesting. And yeah. Um, and it kind of seemed like they were trying to do a little bit of the purge with the arena. Um, yes what was that um i and i was trying to remember if that was in the original book or not i don't remember uh, that being in there and because it's cbs i think they they only go so far you know like yeah right this was the chance you know like if you want to really kind of make it kind of startling but they kind of skirted around it but i guess you see tom cullen all bloody having to clean up uh the bodies and stuff like that but yeah i i i where was the the casino filmed at? You said it was in Vancouver. Yeah, it's a it's an old casino that they, I think they use just for filming now. So um, I don't know if when, uh, gambling's legal in Vancouver then. It must be. Yeah, because there's there's been other I think casinos. Um, oh, okay. But when the stand was filming, there's a couple of uh, places that I just made note when people said, "Oh, they're filming at this place today." I just put a little note in my in my uh, calendar to to check out uh, these locations whenever the film came out. Oh, that's cool to be able to do that. Um, when they went, when they were in the casino setting uh, in, in episode five of the stand, and Flag, there's a scene where Flag is giving this like telekinetic. It's, well, it's more of just well, he's on a screen, but he's like levitating, and uh, the character, one of the spies, he is there in the present, and he kind of just looks at her really quick, while the speech is still going on for everybody else there. He's having this like telekinesis moment with her this telepathic like glare yeah. i thought that was really creepy that that happened i was like oh that that would scare me to death and he's still talking what did you think yeah. about that whole scene no, i thought it was good and and i like dana and the the actress playing her dana. you almost yeah. was like oh i wish we kind of met her a little bit earlier or followed her a little bit because her death would have met more 
rather than um, we kind of were just introduced to her, to her at the end of the last episode, as well as the uh, older woman that was also going to be a spy. Um, Judge so Harris. They're, they're still sending in the red shirts, you know? Uh, yes. For, <laughs> right. Uh, so we're not completely shocked that, that these people uh, end up dead. But. No. I, I do feel like they did rush her uh, death a little soon. They didn't give it a chance to really breathe. Um, but I, I the the whole uh, exteriors and interior shots of the Vegas scenes, I thought they did really well because they really make it look like a den of sin, like a Sodom and Gomorrah, end of days. Like there's just open orgies and drug use. It's like it really shows the contrast of the Boulder Free Zone where wholesome or at least decent Americans who are trying to still do the right thing show up there for the most part, where Vegas, it's like sin everywhere. And it's semi-enticing comparing to the bolder, boring people. Uh, I, I would have went to Vegas initially, and then I probably would have left that night if I'm like, no, no, we're not doing it. Once I'm I saw the fan cage. Vegas, but it, right, right now, if I had to choose between uh, New Vegas and boring Boulder, I was like, huh. Boulder. <laughs> I might yeah. have to, I don't know. Boulder. But at first I thought you said, uh, uh, den, you, you were saying denim, den of sin. I thought you said denim sin. I'm like, well, <laughs> he is wearing double denim again. But He does right. love denim. Hey, was everyone on the stand that survived the plague? Did they all go to one place or another? But or were there people that stayed behind in their like towns? I think, if I remember, there's people that probably stayed behind. Uh, one, you couldn't kind of people got stuck or died or they didn't have the ability to kind of uh, leave wherever they wanted to go. But I, I'm sure I can't remember if the book kind of touched on that or not. But but like I said, I remember the kind of, there was a second wave of death of people that just. They survived the plague, but they couldn't survive being alone in Omaha or wherever. Right, right, because they either couldn't move or grief. They were over. They were stricken with grief. They took their lives or something like that. Um, do you think that in the stand episode five, they did a better job showing like Stu and Larry and like their roles? Because I felt like they've been kind of on the back burner a little bit this series. Yeah, um, Larry was a little bit more interesting. Uh, probably because he had to interact, you know, like, and there was some semi-tension, you know, where uh, he's trying to leave and, and Nadine shows up right at the time he's supposed to go out and what, you know, what is he supposed to do? And it was raining. So, uh, so there's True. pieces of that, but, uh, but yeah, it just, if, if they, maybe they're right to focus on Harold and Nadine as the more interesting characters uh, on this version. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I, there's there's four episodes left, I think. No trash can, man. Four episodes left. I am predicting this series overall is going to be a disappointment. Yeah, if it hasn't kind of hit a new stride by now, it's it's supposed to be, and it's it is ramping up, but it's a slow ramp, so it's not. Yeah, a, it's a slow super- climb. Yeah, you, you don't we, you don't end the episode going. Oh, I cannot wait till next week to see what happens. You're just like, well, no. I guess I'll, I'll catch it again next <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> That's how I feel too. I'm like, eh, well, we're committed now. We're gonna watch it no matter what. But I, I, I don't. Unless this gets extremely better, I don't think I'm ever gonna watch this again. It's just not. It's I don't care for the characters. They jump around. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of stale you know it's not interesting like i want it to be there's some good scenes and episodes and whatnot but the 94 one is still better in my opinion 
side to yeah. side at this point. At, at this point. And speaking of 94, they brought back Don't Fear the Reaper. Yes. Uh, at the end, which kind of, and, and maybe that kind of did end on a good note because you're like, oh, you have some, it adds some nostalgia uh, as we come in. Yes. The, the nostalgia was really cool too because I was watching the ending and I didn't, I didn't get to the ending yet before you did. And you, oh. you told me, oh, wait till the end. I was like, oh, okay. And I and then the song came on and I did this is rush of nostalgia like oh yeah they did that like good for them that's cool you know it works I just want Jamie Sheridan to make an appearance and just be like not exactly a whiz kid but he'll do because <laughs> his dialogue was the best he may, you know he could maybe maybe he would be in the same double denim you know he'd passed flag <laughs> you know, in the casino hallway and they just kind of look at each other or just kind of give a right a nod the. The special effects are really good in this. Although I don't know why they gave Jamie, Sher- Jamie Sheridan, I don't know why they gave uh, Alexander Skarsgård the galaxy eyes at the end when Dana's in the room and he has like the, the Apple MacBook Pro yeah. background. I'm like, what? Come on, guys. Really? So we, so we know he's evil. <laughs> uh, they could have done a better job with the eyes. They're like the purple crystals. So okay, he, Darth. <laughs> so he's one of my sister's favorites. And then uh, he is, he is one, good at this. Don't get me yeah, wrong. When you're, uh, we knew he was going to be at Sundance. And then, um, and someday, there's so many celebrities at Sundance, you just, like, literally, you don't even see them all. And so, like, we're walking down the street, and, and Main Street is kind of pretty steep in, in, in Park City. And, uh, and my, my sister's like, that was him. We just passed him. I'm like, oh, no way. What are you talking? I'm, just, I'm like, do you want to go get a picture? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, he's right here, you know. So we ran up to him. He was super nice. And those pictures did not turn. My camera, we were in like such a rush. And actually, we were running around. I was trying to get my camera. So my camera was on the wrong setting. So the pictures are out of focus. But we still oh, got no. it. Did you post nice. them somewhere on the setjetter.com? Um, I think so. I'm trying to think. Set-jetter.com. Yeah. I don't know if I've been uh, posted anything that he's been in a movie. But I'll, I'll send it to you. But you'll kind of see the out of focus shots. With I want to see that. He's still pretty, even and out of focus. So. Oh, I forgot to plug, listeners, viewers, go to set-jetter.com. Robert uh, is the author and the blogger of set-jetter.com. If you're watching this and listening, you probably know this, but if you're new, I like to always plug that site. And the other night, I was actually going to create a Twitter handle for you as a present, but then I realized I didn't want to be an idiot and a loser and create a Twitter handle as a present. But I did look up set-jetter.com, yeah. and it's taken by somebody that hasn't tweeted in 20, 2008. And that's every handle in the world, Robert. I have been trying to get the handle Clark the Shark. Yeah. It's by somebody in Georgia from 2009, some kid that was the last time they tweeted. And that account lives there forever. So I want to like petition Twitter to like clean up these dead accounts from 12 years because there's so many handles that companies would like want to swoop up and take that somebody just took in the early days of like the internet or of Twitter. And there's so, no way but, to regain like domain or anything like that. No, you can like contact the person or but it's really like a company policy. I know this is exciting radio for everybody listening, but that was what was going through my mind. I was going to create an account and be like, "Ta-da, here's your gift." Uh, but I was like, "I'm not doing this. You're going to think I'm weird." Uh, I'll figure that out. Cuz I wish you were on Twitter. I know. In- Instagram and Facebook, that's uh, That's all you need. And that's Facebook. Now, yeah. Uh, and Instagram it's set underscore jetter. But do you have but do you have those Alexander Skarsgård photos somewhere? Yeah. Oh, I would love to see those because yeah, uh, I love when you hear about meeting a celebrity and you're like, they were such a nice guy. 
99% of the time they are like super nice and then and, and yeah. especially places like they're probably constantly having people just like hey hey you know, and get a picture and then the, and then you run off you know yeah. <laughs> because isn't that part of the territory is, you don't want to bother them too much you know they need to go on their no. own I agree there there is a there is a fine line between being a celebrity and being nice and then accepting that and going over the line like as a fan you can't be stalkerish yeah but I, I do feel like that goes with the territory. If you're a celeb, it's like you're in the public eye. You need to like be respectful. Plus, that's good press for everything. You'll remember a nice celebrity for the rest of your life and be like, oh, we're watching this movie. He was it. I met him once. Where if you're like a Gary Busey, there you go. <laughs> What's he doing now? Nothing. I think he's All trying to get on this show. Interactions. <laughs> but that's so cool that you met them. Um, just to wrap up the stand, what did you think about... Uh, the operations there of Lloyd and Lloyd Hendrick running the show. Lloyd and Julie, I think her name is. Oh, she's so obnoxious. She's, yeah. I wish it were Shawnee Smith. I would so love that. Lloyd in the TV series or, was uh, played by Miguel Ferrer, yeah. who had a much stronger presence uh, than, than this actor. Um, but I, I like some of his scenes. Um, like we talked before about his, him in the in the prison, uh, kind of who's licking the uh, the bars. Of the... <laughs> Get some home fries, some rum. Um, but yeah, the, the the bad guys are just moderately more interesting than and then the good guys, which is usually true of of any film. You just look yeah. at Batman films, and it's always the villains that are one that are that are interesting. Die Hard. But, um, but he's not as uh, they keep calling him his right hand man. I'm like he's not. He doesn't seem to be very good at doing anything. I thought the same thing. <laughs> Mel Ferrer, Miguel Ferrer, uh, Lloyd in the 94. It was Miguel Ferrer, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he was uh, He was in charge. He took leadership, like, send two guys, do this. Flag wants him alive. I'm staying. You can tell me. This guy seems like he's just kind of a party boy that is famous on TikTok. That's like, let's do some coke, hey! <laughs> I don't see him, like, taking a leadership role, which... Yeah. It doesn't really matter at this point because the series is going down the tube. Yeah. But it would have been nice to have an actor. Like, I could see somebody uh, like a younger John Malkovich playing that role. Somebody that was, like, in charge that you believed and you kind of were a little scared of, but they were still kind of Weasley. And maybe I don't because know. he is so scared of Flag to the point I don't, of yeah. Uh, which, yeah, which it, it doesn't bode well for, you know, like, if Julie knows that. And everybody knows that is from, <laughs> from what I gather. So I'm like, I'm not sure why anybody's afraid of him. I was hoping they'd point out other VIPs in the audience. I'm like, uh, you know, like celebrities that uh, have crossed over to the the bad side that happen to be in Vegas. Because you're just like, we have VIPs in the audience. I'm like, oh, you know, what if they show The Rock or somebody? That... <laughs> oh yeah, you think The Rock's still alive? Probably. That yeah. would be great. Because that's what I thought. That'd be the perfect callback. You're like Sharon Stone's with us tonight, and we're like, we knew she'd be there. We knew that would be a great. Why did they do that? See, you need to be a writer on something. I don't know. That'd be the perfect cameos for uh, the original stand uh, people. Uh, oh yeah. You know, you kind of kind of throw them in there. You know, Rob Lowe up in one of the the Vegas balconies. <laughs> who who do you like better, Nick Andros or uh, or be Rob Lowe as Nick Andros or the new guy? Uh, well, Rob Lowe brought more to it. He has more scenes, um, and so we, we saw more characterization than this Nick does. 
which it's interesting that this newsstand is longer, but it seems there's just less content. Yes, thanks for bringing that up. I did the math the other night, which is scary because I'm terrible at math, but the newsstand has more hours of screen time than the original, but it seems like half is short. Like they, they jump around, they skip so much. I was thinking, oh, it's because it's a miniseries. The first one was a miniseries. How long was the first one? Four, so I don't know. I don't episodes. know what they did. It was four. The yeah, the first one was uh, four episodes, and they were two hours each, right? Yeah, two hours with commercials, so probably ninety minutes. Yeah, I don't know. Nick Andros, though, in this in episode five, he gets kind of a shellacking from Mother A. Gets schooled by Mother A for I'm not sure. <laughs> I would. Let, they should show his thoughts. You know, have thought bubbles. Like you know, you are Mother A. Thought uh, bubble. <laughs> I need to Photoshop that as the thumbnail for this episode. Is the thought bubbles? Like, and, is and that why she thought, left though? Yeah. Well, then I was like, I'm like, because she's going off, and I'm like, <laughs> thought bubbles. Whoopi has gone off script. I think. So I think. <laughs> I think she did. She just left, and she walked off the set again. <laughs> She's always leaving and leaving pianos open for the kids to see the keys. That's not how a piano works. I'm really beginning to think that set was just built uh, behind the set of the view. And so she just. I think it was. During commercials. and <laughs> Yeah, I think in the background I saw Joy Behar like yelling at some admin, some assistant. That's why she gets so rascally. Yeah, she gets all squirrely. It was good. It was a better uh, entry, though, in the miniseries, I felt. Than the, than the first view, episode five. Yeah, you, I, you enjoyed to see watching it all, and and I don't quite get uh, when she at, she was sending she sent a note to Tom Cullen that she, to run, um, but I didn't yeah. I couldn't tell if Tom was in danger. I don't. He seemed to be fine. For, right? Didn't she know that he can't read? Well, I don't. I don't think they knew who. who well, maybe they do know who I was going. I don't know. They, they, oh, that's right. Kind they of were a double blind thing, uh, but I'm not sure if they kind of brought that over this time. But yeah, well, they never show what happened to Tom in episode five after Dana said to run. I'm waiting for like Julie to find the note. She goes, "What's this?" Yeah, where's the judge at too? I feel like the judge should have been in here. Well, and the, she's out of she's on the outskirts of town, Flag said. So I don't know if right. she's actually going to show up or, um, or they're going to see heads on spikes or you know things that they that used to be a, a, a visual i remember of the book as you're coming into vegas um it was just heads on spikes and stuff as you know yes and in. and data grilled him on that and he goes well we have to keep order like what kind of society has that which kind of makes sense but you can't ever trust him because he's the evil incarnate because he always tries to let him go even in the 94 like well you can go you just have to get on your knees and say you're sorry. He's not really going to let you go. He's going to kill you somehow, but he's manipulative. So you never know what to believe. So the scene where Dana offs herself with the beer bottle. Um, Which happened awful his, quick. Really quick. I was she like, was to rewind it. I'm like, did she just... I'm, I thought I looked away for a second. I was like, oh, what, what happened? <laughs> what, do, do you remember the part where we just talked about Waters at uh, Fran and... Um, Stu's house having dinner. That dinner scene was so awkward when he was rambling. They, if that was their directive, they nailed it because even I was uncomfortable as a viewer. I was like, "Oh, get him out of there!" Like if I were Stu, I'd be like, 
you know what? I got a there's a radio emergency. We have to <laughs> there's a bomb scare. I would have made anything up just to get him out of the house because I was like, this is awkward, dude. Whenever I see that, I think are, uh, people are reading from different script pages and that they just stare at each other like, <laughs> are you on the red draft? Did you not get the yeah. blue one that was sent out this morning? There, uh, there was an email that went out last night. I didn't get it. My phone's been off. Oh, that was it. That was it. I'm not going to be on this thing all night. I'm not going to be on this walkie-talkie <laughs> all night. Yeah, I was, they, she didn't plan that very well. I didn't. I was no. confused. I'm like, you know, it's like. And I'm like, do you have code names? Larry, get out of there. Like, well, you let's have <laughs> yes. something, you know, like, you know, like the cat's out again. That's all you have to say. Right, right. Mother Eagle, the, the coyote is coming up the mountain. You better get out of that tree. Larry, it get out like, of Harold's hey, house. Hey, Larry. <laughs> and she wasn't very discreet when she did it. The guy just walked out of the room and he's like, Larry, <laughs> go ahead, Larry. How's the time to go? He's here. I was like, oh. <sighs> What was Larry doing there for so long? He was like fiddling with the chessboard. Yeah, I was like, I forgot what he was he's supposed to be. I, 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 he's supposed to be looking for. I guess did he find anything? I don't think we were so fixated on this, the chess. And I, remember, I thought, oh, yeah, he's knock over the little a little pig or something like uh, misery, where if the pig is not facing due north, uh, when Annie Wilkes, that's how she right. goes. Like, well, yeah, a little callback, but you know, that would have been perfect actually. It'd be a little yeah. fun for Stephen King fans to add some of those little uh, Easter eggs in there. Yeah, I'm not seeing a lot of Easter eggs. Really. Mm-mm. There's a few, but there's really not a lot. It's not like Castle Rock, where there was an uh, Easter egg like every yeah. episode. A little too much. Too, like, oh, you it was a little too on the nose. <laughs> it was like M. Night Shyamalan's Glass, where they're like, this part is the origin story. It's like, I get it. It's about superheroes. You got me. Thank you. So that's that's the stand episode five. Unless you have anything else to add about that. No, I think we. It was it? longer than the episode. There was more content than the episode itself. Stand episode five. Uh, now streaming on CBS All Access. You're welcome for the plug, CBS. Send Robert and I a handful of cash for all the free promotion. Just pay for another month since we have to get through it. Speaking of set jet or Saturdays, uh, you posted some new entries this week, Robert. Some cool ones. Yeah, let me see. So Return of the Living Dead Part 2, which was shot mostly in Sierra Madre, uh, California. Home I love of that movie. Everything. Halloween 2, Halloween 3, The Fog. Love Psycho it. 3. Great so job too on Return of the Living Dead. Uh, the original two? I'm sorry. The one you posted this week was? Yeah, that and uh, Body of Evidence. Yeah, good job on that one. What was that? I said, good job on that one. That, oh, those are really you. good so, shots. So I was going to go see, this is about over five years ago, um, one of the, when I was oh. following Madonna around on tour, one of the uh, cities I was going to was Portland. Um, and so uh, a friend, I remember, messaged me, and he says, are you going to do BOD locations? And I'm like, what is BOD, or BOE, BOE rather? I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, body of evidence. And I'm like, I've never seen it. And so sometimes people, I'm like, not quite the anomaly of a Madonna fans, but I usually try to avoid her movies like The Plague. Yeah. Um, But I'll watch one, like a new one, like every three years. I'm like, oh, now this year I'll watch Dick Tracy for the first time or something like that. I watched it last night. I thought about you. It's uh, Dick Tracy. It gets worse with time. (laughs) It's. Oof. I didn't actually. I did not watch Dick Tracy until about five years ago. I 
I'd never seen it. Oh, that's a tough sell then. So Body of Evidence, I thought, well, I'm gonna have to watch this, and um, and I, I did not realize like Julianne Moore was in it, and um, but yeah, so I went to some, some of the locations uh, for that, which um, Madonna fans love to kind of see all that stuff. Yeah, you did a great job. You nailed it. Where year did that film come out? Ninety-two. Yeah. Well, yeah, actually, in the United States, it came out uh, in January ninety-three, but I think in Denmark, it came out in December of ninety-two or something like that. Oh, okay. And Return of the Living Dead Part Two, you put this 1988, week? Nineteen eighty-eight, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It was about three years after the first Return of the Living Dead. You did a great job uh, with that one as well, especially the ambulance shots. I remember that scene vividly. And uh, the exteriors, you can still see the frames of the building. They haven't changed at all. Yep. Which is um, cool. Yeah, that, that's all within about a two-block radius of the, the main part of Sierra Madre. The cemetery is near there, too? Yep. So just the cemetery is about three blocks away where they shot uh, Halloween and Masters of the Universe. Classic. Alfred Hitchcock's uh, family plot, I think, was shot in that cemetery, too. Oh, nice. It was the same one in Halloween? Yep, so where Judith Myers is buried. Oh, that one. Yep. Oh, that's so cool. Oh, yeah. Just buy a lot of films shot there. Yeah, it's a... And I think it's that little section of town is just nice, and it has the background of the mountains. Um, The Fog Church is just up the street. Um, Better Off Dead... Uh, Fog Church. That's what I was thinking of. I was thinking of, there was another entry you did, and I didn't want to bring it up and be like, well, what else did you do there, Robert? <laughs> but I remember, uh, it w- I liked it. And I, lo- I love the movie The Fog, the, the original, not the abortion that was the remake. I I sat through, I didn't see in the theater, because I, I knew to stay away uh, from that. <laughs> but it's just like, why? I'm just like, I hope they got paid well. I, I assume <laughs> uh, they did. Uh, and they got some I assume they Credit did. For that, so. um, another anniversary this past week was May, and I'm not sure if you have seen that. Yes, I have. That's a great flick. And that is one of the... That's a disturbing flick to me. I love my horror movies, and but that one disturbed me enough. I At the, the time when we kind of first had it, my, I did not want that DVD in my house. I was like, this movie is too much for me. I could not handle it. Yeah, some of it you wonder why somebody considered it art. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Anna Ferris. I mean, it's a kind of non-scary movie role. Um, I don't know. Um, it's a yeah, fun but, ride, though, at times, though, right? Oh yeah, no, it's it's a I I love I love it, and she she uh, she was more Carrie White in this film than she was Carrie White in the the miniseries. That she oh, kind of, good call. So she's when you see May and you're like, oh yeah, she's the perfect Carrie White. Uh, the the girl to play Carrie White because just kind of weird. Jeremy Sisto is great in it, but yeah, there's just disturbing elements in the movie that I could not. Um, yeah, yeah, there are some where you're like, nah, this isn't art. Yeah, how is this art? That's my buddy Dan's uh, line during like terrible scenes like that. He's like a film guy too. He's like, how is this art? And I'm like, I don't, I didn't write it. Uh, my I'm sister sorry. and I have sat through some not good shorts, like sometimes at different film festivals you have a short before the film and then it is kind of mostly art and half of it's out of focus and i was just (laughs) what what did what did they do by the way how is your basement plans going with the uh we we talked about in the last show you're adding some sort of like movie prop things going on down there so uh 
our next step will be inspectors coming out and they'll put up drywall and then new carpet and everything and then so definitely have a kind of Bates Motel bathroom again uh, a little All bit right previous Bates Motel and I'll have that shining red round door, but I haven't quite figured. I'm like, yes. where am I going to put all these different props, or I'm going to rotate them in and out? Ooh. Yeah. We'll, we'll how, how many props are we talking here? I have big crates of. Oh my gosh. Props and wardrobe that. You um, got to find a place for everything. Well, that's what I'm saying. There's not enough wall space for for everything, so. Well, I, your I, sister's got to move out then because you need the space. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? There's no decor on the walls anywhere, but I think we need to figure out. What, it, what it's going to be. I don't want to overdo it either. Yeah, you know, you want to be able to breathe and not like it looks like everything threw up. Yeah. Do you prioritize by importance of film to you? Like, how does that process work? It should be stuff that makes you happy. And so, okay. And it's or stuff that you kind of want to show off. So, and so every once in a while, like from Halloween H2O, I have, uh, they, they made multiple versions, of course, but for John Tate's 17th birthday card um, that I had sitting on the, on the, my, my mantle from my previous house. So just because I do the, the Jamie Lee Curtis every once in a while, she'd look up because of the line in the movie, like how, how old were you? And she looks up and she says, 17, 17. So I literally would say 17 every time I walked by that. Oh, you have that. Yeah. That's yeah. right. I forgot about that. That's a priority priority. That's when it could be a priority just to kind of things that make yeah. it. That's a fun process though. Or all the crates in the basement. Do you like go through them all and do an inventory kind of thing? Um, when I moved, I kind of did a re-inventory and just kind of made sure everything was kind of bundled up. And, and I'll probably, I'm going to do some yeah. version, uh, at some point. To, uh, That's to so cool that you have that stuff. That's so I'd be excited just to like look through it, you know, like like do an inventory. I mean, and just yeah. kind of look through everything and be like, oh, this. Oh, I remember. The, oh, remember this. Look at this cool thing. Like that's that's exciting. The axe it's movie history. The axe from um, this is the end is one of my favorite props. That's one of the coolest ones. You've mentioned that on a previous show. I always thought that was awesome. That was probably expensive to get, right? Um, I at the time is you. I kind of go back and forth. I'm like, do I should I pay for this or should I pay not? So I was wavering back and forth on a, kind of an expensive prop that I don't think it's sold. So maybe I'll I'll see if they put it back up on eBay. But it was from Titanic. Oh. From Titanic? Yeah. What was it? Which one? Uh, the the gates from the elevator doors. You can buy those? Yeah. Oh, you got to get them. That's, I know. We'll see. If you don't, like, Planet Hollywood will or something. That's yeah. crazy. Are they still around? I don't think they are. But I, have my, I can have my own Planet Hollywood. Of, uh, you do. You got to get you, them. That's cool. I kind of wonder what happened to some of those props, you know, as they closed down. Because I'm like, did they just get chucked somewhere? You know, like. Right. It's these good stuff. That's one of my favorite movies, Titanic. I don't care how cheesy it is. It's, uh. It's a landmark film, man. That's the that's the movie my sister's waiting for me to put the new TV and stuff downstairs. That's the movie she's going to watch. That's a great film. And I think that's it, the most we movie most times we saw a movie in the theater was Titanic. Really? It ages well. At least 5 5 to 7. Yeah. I can't oh, that's cool. It ages well, I think. And it's, it's got still, Leo yeah. D, who's it's the best actor up. of our generation. Uh, uh, what's his name does not hold up as well. Billy Zane? Yeah. <laughs> not not particularly. Well, Rose. Uh, Rose. Yes, well, yes, Rose. Okay, I get it. You're rich. You're supposed to be snooty. You're nailing it. You still do. You'll see. You'll, oh, you'll see. I think that's uh, what I had him sign on his autograph. <laughs> did you really? Yeah. 
We gotta have your sister on the we show sometime. Like, going to Jurassic Park. Apparently, she's a big fan. She is a big fan, and so of course she was, of course, tickled to death that she her her clip got chosen for the Google commercial. Yeah, that was a cool commercial. Of welcome to Jurassic Park. So even though we were in a complete, we were in a Jurassic Park location, but not that specific one. But that that's what they wanted to choose, and and which was they used it. For us. That was for Google Maps, right? Yeah, Google. Yeah, Google. Maps right before I guess a little about about a year ago because I think they premiered it. It showed up online and then it premiered during the Oscars. Yes, the first time it was shown on live television. You told me about that. That's really exciting though. That's cool. Good for your sister. Yeah, I think you should have every clip in that commercial <laughs> for all the places Adam you the, visited. Yeah, Adam and Wu got a couple clips, um, and there's some other people that got in there. Um, I can't remember people that I've kind of been in contact with. I think they got the first Jurassic Park uh, clip in there, but yeah, so it, it was fun. That is, that's exciting. That's cool. I think yeah, when you're you ready at some our, point in our lives, our, what's that? You saw our Jurassic Park pillows. I know. In our, in I love it. Clever girl. Don't move. We're being hunted over there on the trees. Clever girl is my go-to line of like. I'm in traffic and I try to take a side street and there's more traffic. I'm like, clever girl. <laughs> I love it. Uh, we, we need to do at some point in this year a Jurassic Park episode. I don't think All we've right. done one. The three or the, is it five now? Six? There's five. There will five. be six. There will be six. Okay. We'll do the, yeah, we'll do the original trilogy. That first one still holds up. I mean, the CGI still looks better than some CGI that came out like last year. Yeah. So it's I perfect. Love, yeah, so we'll have a whole episode because, of course, I love one. Two, I like to tear apart. Yeah, two's bad. Sarah! Sarah! <laughs> Sarah! <laughs> and they three, still got Richard I, um, Atkinson. Is it Richard Atkinson that played John Hammond? Um, Attenborough? Attenborough. They, even though he was, like, deathly ill, they still got him in a bed scene. It's like, ugh, just... Leave the guy alone. Come on. I forget how much he was in uh, the second one. I, and I forget about it until I watched it, it. And I was like, oh, yeah. He's, he's he was like a, five minutes in the beginning. But they yeah. just crowbarred him in. Doing the exp- all the exposition on, on why of we're course. shooting this sequel in. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll of, save that. Though. Speaking of great films, uh, we have a segment to bring to you tonight. It's Do They Still Hold Up? And Robert put together, he crafted a list that uh, these... These are the films. We're going to just start with 1980 tonight. Uh, these are the biggest sellers, uh, biggest selling films of that year. And we're going to discuss if they still hold up or not. All right. Because uh, I, I think it's a good conversation to have. There's movies that were huge in the heyday that you rewatch it. They're not really doing that well. Pretty rough. Woof. It's tall order. So or 1980. Or remember them either or saw them. True. If you look at uh, even some of the you know, best picture winners over the years, like The Greatest Show on Earth, really. Um, 1998, oh. I believe it was. Uh, Shakespeare in Love beat Saving Private Ryan somehow. Yeah. I don't know. The the Oscar winners are its own, even the more recent ones, too. I, I, if they're head scratchers, I'm like, how they could possibly win. But Yeah, quick quick crowbar in. I, I believe circa like 2002, 2003, Best winners just was a free-for-all. It's whoever you're, like, sleeping with or had a drink with that week in Hollywood gets in. 
because there are movies that people never watch again. Before that, though, Best Picture winners, people saw in droves, like Forrest Gump, um, uh, Braveheart. Uh, there are movies, E.T. I don't remember, E.T. wasn't the Best Picture, but there were movies that people watched a lot. Beautiful Gladiator. Yeah. After that, it was like, nobody's watching The King's Speech a year later. I'm sorry. That means everybody slept with the cast of Crash, I guess. Ooh, yeah. That was a real <laughs> Crash. Uh, so, but, do these still hold up? 1980, uh, of course, was the year of the highest-grossing film, The Empire Strikes Back, in that year, and followed by Nine to Five, um, and Stair Crazy was number three. Both um, Empire Strikes Back and Nine to Five were distributed and produced by 20th Century Fox, with Columbia Pictures doing Stir Crazy. So, Empire Strikes Back, of course, the second installment of the or the fifth installment chronologically of the Star Wars Skywalker um, saga. Does it still hold up, Robert? It what is your take? For, it does for me, and I could, I could have the nostalgia, of course. Uh, so I, I remember I was 10 years old and saw it in the theater a few times, but I remember that first time that I was just I was so excited uh, to see a Star Wars sequel and just see more of it. And now I think everybody appreciated it as adults as well because storyline the acting uh, the effects still uh, kind of hold up um i i still want to live on cloud city That's don't we dreams. all yeah and my favorite ship slave one it's you do like slave one you I talked do. about that during the mandalorian i i think empire strikes back is arguably the best film of the 80s i mean return of the jedi's up there i i, I like that one a little bit better than empire strikes back but <sighs> It's arguably one of the, it's in the top five best films of the 1980s. It's like just a great film. It holds up. The story's strong. It's the Star Wars canon pinnacle at its finest, in my opinion. It has all the characters in their prime, pure, absolute. They introduced the Imperial March song in that movie, which is like the coolest song ever. I think uh, I my uh, Hollywood Bowl from a couple of years ago where they actually had military... They're kind of the Longhorn Trumpets playing the Imperial March on stage. Oh, no way. John Williams. Yeah. That's so cool. It's a great film. I think it holds up tremendously. I would say yes. Can't go wrong. Yeah, it does hold up. It's also a great film to rewatch over and over again because it's just such a fun ride, you know? It's just a great ride to go on. Um, From Planet Hoth. Was it Hoth? The Hoth Yeah, system. you start in Hoth, and it's one of those films like you feel like you went through a whole... It's a two-hour film, but you feel like you went through a whole day. Uh, yeah. It's like a Disney, a trip to Disneyland. They're there. That's where they are. The Rebels are there. Set your coordinates for the Hoth system. I think we should start saying that everyday life. I, I, I can't find the bagels. They're there. That's where they are. They're in the cabinet. Set your, set your plates for the cabinet on the left. And just beat it to death. But I agree, it holds up. Uh, second film in this list, Robert, I have not seen, so I'm going to yield to you. I, I believe I might have some homework with this gem. Nine to Five. Nine to Five is one of my favorites. So, um, And it just celebrated its 40th anniversary, well, obviously, um, in December. Um, so it was Ooh. a December film. December 19th, 1980. Yeah. Comedy Gold. Lily this Conlin. was a big... Big uh, money maker. It grossed 103 million at the box office on a budget of 10 million. It was number one for a few weeks 
I think. It was one of those that people kept coming back to. Um, uh, Jane Fonda, I think, she was the one that kind of spearheaded it, and then she got Dolly Parton involved. Dabney Coleman also. Oh, yeah, that's so cool. You, you've seen this movie a, a few times. Many, many, many times. Pretty good. Uh, yeah. Lily, Tom, all those actresses are great. Lily Tomlin. Uh, it also has Jane Fonda in it. Um, yeah. So, so, so you have homework you just to do. Said. So we, can, we can discuss a little bit more, but yeah. Um, what was number three? Number three is going to be Stir Crazy. Stir Crazy. So I did see Stir Crazy. So Gene Hackman, Gene Wilder. I mean, uh, Gene Hackman and uh. Sorry, Wild Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor. Is that right? Oh, I've seen this. This was number three? It must have. So th- that I've was seen a, this movie. They're dressed up as chickens. Yeah, that was a duo that... Wow. They were the comedy duo of the, uh, I guess, more 70s than 80s. So I vaguely... <laughs> I don't remember this at all. So I would say not hold up because I can't remember... And if I had to rewatch it, I'm sure there's probably some questionable uh, antics that would not fly in 2020. That was all I was going to say was whether it holds up or not to your opinion, but it would not be made the way it was made in 2021. It could be deemed racist, some of the things. Not sure. Not that it is, but. I mean, it would probably it probably would hold up for some people. Well, look at the movie The Toy with Richard Pryor. Do you remember that? It was basically, hey, let's get you a slave for your birthday. Yeah. Well, he's just a black guy we we hired to do tricks. Yeah, it's a slave. I mean, remember Silver Streak, blackface, the whole movie. Oof. Oof. Some of those, some of the things they got away with, and it was yeah. harmless for the actors involved. I mean, I'm sure Gene Wilder that that wasn't what he was going into but I would hope not but you couldn't make it that movie today I would agree I did see that movie I just didn't recognize that title um, I don't I, I would I would put money on that it doesn't hold up Robert yeah what, what else is in this top 10 or is there more uh, from 1980 or from all time 1980 I was just curious if Friday the 13th is oh okay it made quite a bit of money let me, let me pull this up 1980s highest grossing Films. Wasn't Orca in 1980? Might have been. Have you seen Orca? Uh, I saw it a long time ago, and and it's it's not as exciting as Jaws. So you quickly I'm like, this isn't like Jaws at all. <laughs> hey, they did a movie about a shark. We'll do a whale because orcas yeah. can kill sharks. That'll be big. But more Highest talking. Profi- yeah. What's that? With more talking. You're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> With more talking. Airplane. Is number oh, four on the list. Yes. Airplane Definitely is one of those up. that uh, it still mostly holds up. Uh, there's parts that should not hold up. Obviously, if you're rewatching it, they're like, oof. Some- yeah. But, yeah, there's some sexual, uh, some sexist and racist kind of innuendos. But Julie Haggerty is one of my favorites. She's great. That is overall, that, that, that movie does hold up, though. It is great. Uh, any which way you can is number five on 1980's highest grossing films list. The sequel to Every Which Way But Lose. Is that what it is? Yes. It's Clint Eastwood, right? Yep. Never saw it. Is uh, it does it hold up, Robert? No, not that I remember. Otherwise, I'd, I, if I don't have it on Blu-ray right now, that means it, it was not hold. I, it's not a movie I want to revisit. 
that's the caliber of a good film that I'm going to start using. If Robert has it on Blu-ray, it's good. If he doesn't, it's, it's bad. If he's never heard of it, get the hell out of that yeah, store yeah. Heard or of off it, that site. Yeah, I can't imagine that film. Hold them out. What's next? Private Benjamin. Uh, one of my favorites. Private Benjamin. I never saw it. Ooh, Goldie Hawn? You have a lot of 80s homework, yeah. So Goldie Apparently. Uh, is this a good film? PJ Souls from Halloween is in it. Oh. She had to, she had to wear a, a dark short wig because there could only be one blonde in a Goldie Hawn movie, and that's Goldie. Look at the screen um, real quick. One second here. You see my screen? Not yet. Uh, yes. This poster is awesome, and I've seen this poster. Like I've I've seen this film streaming somewhere. I just never watched it. Uh, it's it's cool. Goldie Hawn's one of the best. She is, and uh, even better than Goldie Hawn in the movie is Eileen Brennan. Uh, she plays the uh, the army captain in the film. What 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 kind of film is it? Get break it down for the idiots like myself. It is. It's actually it's, it's a comedy that actually is more drama than comedy. Uh, once you kind of get into it, because as a kid, uh, after she got after after she got out of basic training, whatever, it then becomes more of a drama a little bit. There's still comedic elements, but um, but yeah, and it, they turn it into a TV series. Um, speaking of airplane, Lorna Patterson, uh, who is in Airplane, the movie, played the Goldie Hawn character in the TV series, and they got Eileen Brennan oh. back. Um, and actually, I went to one of those locations, so the, the barracks that they, um, uh, where she does basic training is down in San Pedro, California, uh, right by the Like a Prayer filming location. Oh, cool. Best Madonna song ever. Absolutely. Especially the remixes, when they do the extended choirs at the end. Oh, <laughs> I used to have the big 12, like, remember that you had to buy the big 12-inch remix, vinyl remix? Oh, yeah, so good. Hey, and as to all the snowflakes out there, as a Catholic man who goes to church weekly, it's not an offensive song. It's a beautiful, lovely dance song. She That's pulls inspiring. It out when she needs to have a to get the audience on its feet. She, she brings it. She brings it, man. That is a great song, though. Like a prayer. There's nobody that does not like that song. There's two types of people on the on the planet: people that love the song, and people that never heard of it. Never. And that's it. <laughs> you you you've never heard that song go. Don't care for it. Not not yeah. huge on like a prayer. It's great. And Madonna Maybe. was brought up in in the the hearings this week. So <laughs> was she? Well, yes. Yeah, they they mentioned Madonna and Kathy Griffin as people that have threatened the White House. And I'm like, oh god. Like, <laughs> it's it's funny that forty plus years later, Madonna is still brought up as this kind of a uh, harlot of like right of, of sin. Of sin. Yeah. She's, <laughs> she's a testament to greatness then. She Good. is a 60 plus year old woman uh, just doing whatever she wants now. And she's still brought up as like that slut. That slut is, is bringing down our morals. <laughs> uh, real quick. How, how many days before the adults are back in charge? Four days, uh, right? I think it's four days from now. Yeah. Yeah. Four days. The 20th. The adults will be back in charge. We can get things back to normal. Yes. Uh, number four. Six, seven on the list is the coal miner is coal miner's daughter, Robert. It is all I have so many. I keep saying this is my top 10 too. coal miner's daughter that we talked about that last week. The director just passed away. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, we did. And I saw this in the theater. So it was my and I think I saw this with my grandmother. But um, 
my parents, my my grandparents, they would they didn't bring us to kids' movies really. They brought us to adult movies. And I think that's where I kind of got my love of films because that's important. Uh, like, I'm like, like, oh, I'm sure the, this 10 year old would love to go see Coal Miner's Daughter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I did. And, I, and, and it's a movie I still quote. Uh, to oh, good. That's important, though, to be exposed to that stuff as a kid, like on a respectful level kind of thing. You're being introduced to like different issues and, you know, yeah. films and, some and genres. Over my head and, and some not, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But like, like I said, I still quote like, do, is it still time for me to go on yet? Is it still, <laughs> you still, I like when you do the movie quotes. <laughs> Coal Miner's Daughter holds up. Uh, number eight is Smokey and the Bandit 2. Now I've seen Smokey and the Bandit. I don't remember seeing two. I remember seeing two and two is kind of more of the same. Um, I do, for some, I was thinking more of Smokey and the Bandit 3 where he's, He's only in one. Sh- Burt Reynolds is only in one shot. I think at the end. <laughs> they made a three. Yeah. <laughs> they got Sally Field back for this one. Does she have a they, big of a role as Smokey the Bandit? I think so. Yeah, she played. She played Sally Field in the movie as she usually does. Um, of course. But uh, but yeah, it just felt like more of the same. I think, and that that's all audiences wanted back then. Especially a film like that. If you're gonna see a sequel to Smokey the Bandit. You want the exact same thing as Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, you're you're not trying to really find out how the characters developed over time and have changed, <laughs> and what new uh, introspects they can bring in and character um, arcs. No, you want was, the same thing. It was that era's Fast and Furious. They just wanted the same thing. Oh yeah, good call. <laughs> Does it hold up? Do you think? Um, I can imagine it would because you're just watching car chases. The, the only good things, like compared to Fast and Furious, is like these car chases and crashes were real. Yeah. So they do have some uh, weight to it uh, when you're watching it. But right, probably, the effects are real. Yeah, not too much to it. I'm not even a big fan of Smoking the Bandit. I don't think they're like great movies. I mean, I guess they're I guess they're like fun, but I'm not really watching rewatching those. Not revisiting. Mm-mm. No. But I do agree with you about the effects. That's why like. Raiders of the Lost Ark is a perfect film. The movie's so good, and those explosions of the Nazi planes in the desert, that's all real explosions. Like, that's real pyrotechnics. They real just, stuff. it works. Happen. Yeah. Real people in, in peril. Real people in peril. Blue Lagoon. Of course, Brooke Shields. I can't believe that was 1980. For some reason, I thought that was, like, later. Uh, no, 1980. I just met Chris Atkins about a year ago. Uh, at the 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 last Hollywood show. Oh really? Yeah, he he's aged pretty well. Yeah, Despite I've seen him in something not too long ago. Uh, on TV. Pretty tan still, which is not good for the skin, but uh, he still looks pretty. He still looks pretty good. So. Oh, is he kind of crackling out the skin from all the tanness? Why? I think as much as tan as it was, I think you'd, your his skin should be worse. But he actually looked okay. So. Um, he's not uh, reptilian. Not in a long while, but I can't imagine holding up. It was kind of, it was kind of an eighties cable favorite, especially for young kids, because it was kind of our first glimpse of nudity. Right. That was like the loophole was Friday the thirteenth and Blue Lagoon. They were always on some channel and you're like, yeah. Who has cable on the block? Who has cable we're watching Blue Lagoon? I saw I, I've even seen the sequel. I think there was a few, but I, I did see Return to the Blue Lagoon. Uh, with uh, what's her name from Days and Confused? And, yeah, 
Why did they make a sequel? I guess because it was um, top ten. It, I think it was named. I mean, they, I mean, they they knew that the the Blue Lagoon name would still bring in some audiences. I think it did. Uh, I'm I've, I'm not. I'm going to say it does not hold up. I would say no. It's not in my Blu-ray collection. Then it doesn't hold up. Yeah, that's the catalyst. Uh, last on the list, number ten, uh, highest grossing films of 1980, The Blues Brothers, which for some reason I th- I thought would be higher than The Blue Lagoon, but I guess I'm I'm wrong. Yeah. I was never a big fan of this film. I don't know. I, I never quite got the humor. I, I'm not a big fan either, I, and I'm a huge fan of comedy and a huge fan of Dan Aykroyd and 80s comedies in particular, uh, Stripes, Planes, Trains, Automobiles, Volunteer, uh, you know. Three Amigos. I I love the '80s, you know, comedy with the Saturday Night Live cast and associates and Second City, but I, the Blues Brothers on paper should be one of my favorite films, and I I just I never really got into it. I've seen it a few times. I think I tried to rewatch it a few years ago, maybe like two years ago, and I just never felt like the you know Elwood, John Belushi, blues dynamic was like great. I don't know. Yeah. It didn't quite work for me. So some people it did, but I don't feel like it's not, you don't hear too much about that film anymore. Fans kind of citing that film. No, you don't. It's more of like older people that are like the blues brothers. You're like, yeah, it's not that great. And it's not, it's got a good cast. It's just not, I don't know that film. like didn't do it. Carrie Fisher's in it. Yep. Not in my Blu-ray collection. So no, then it's bad. They did a second, they did a sequel too. It was like blues brothers, 2000, I think. Yeah, <laughs> John Goodman was in it. So I actually, what I remember, I didn't see the film, but I remember we went to go see Wag the Dog. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, Dustin Hoffman, Anne Heche, and um, and I actually just rewatched it the other day because I was thinking, is this is it? It has funny moments and does it hold uh, up? Not quite. It it didn't quite hold up the first time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And now it's like almost like too real. Like I'm like, well, yeah, we know all this is made up. You know, they wars are orchestrated and all, so it's not really funny anymore. Yeah, it's kind of but sad. I, I remember there was a trailer for Blues Brothers 2000, and <laughs> literally, I remember the people, the lady behind us, could not stop laughing at how funny this trailer was. To the point, I remember. I think I, I was talking to my friend. I'm like. <laughs> What the hell? This movie this none of the none of this is funny. I'm like, no wonder these films get made. Of course. There's these idiots. Kind of doofuses are just like I'm like, there's not a single funny thing, but she was just cackling and just like At the trailer? Yes. And she's like oh, it's just like we're dead, you know. And that's I'm so not used bad. to people talking in movie theaters now, but every time you know, in talking theaters a trailer would end, and there'd be this. All, you'd hear people murmuring, like, "We're definitely going to go see that." And, you know, like <laughs> oh. I'm just like, "Oh my god!" That is so like that's like one of the worst things that happened in a film. And I like that you call them talking theaters too, not like the adult theaters. But you're right, in talking theaters when you hear, "Oh, I'm going to see that." Like, yeah. thanks for validating your your obnoxious <laughs> laughter with a with a comment, because now I know you're into it. Before I thought you were just laughing at anything, but now I'm glad you're committed to it. Now uh-huh. we can move on and watch the movie. I used to adamantly not watch trailers. Um, we we go to the movies so often, you see the same trailers or whatever. And yeah. I was like, um, I was like, I'm not watching this. Actually, I would adamantly not watch any commercials because I'm like, I already paid for my 
film. I'm like, I will stare at the ground. Oh yeah, I yeah. A Diet Pepsi commercial. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I already paid twenty bucks to see this. I'm not watching your advertisement. I do. I do think it's hilarious though that she was cackling at a trailer, like a trailer, not the I, film, but I, the trailer. I, I vividly remember that. I was like, why? And like, this is why we can't have nice things anymore because people like you. Yeah, you're right. I, I, it's like, I don't know. It, I don't think I've ever laughed at a trailer. It, it's just not. You're not the. You're not watching the film. You're watching the best parts of it, and without any context, it's not. I don't know. Yeah, it's not quite the. Uh... Do you, do you remember? I you're probably too young too, but you you have to, uh, E Entertainment Channel used to have uh, Saturdays like half hour of new, new movie trailers, and we'd be so excited because that's the only time you get to see new. You know, this is pre-internet uh, <laughs> to see the new movie trailer. No, I don't remember. And so I, I I remember like you know we'd have to wait for that, or uh, we we'd hear. Uh, I remember there were, the Twister trailer uh, was only before certain movies. And so I remember, I think we went to go see a movie or I snuck in or something. Cause I wanted to see the twister trailer. Um, and it was like one of those 30 second trailers of footage. that's not even in the film. Um, Oh yeah. That's how excited we get. I remember, uh, yes. Recording on the VCR to, to try to watch these trailers before, we, uh, now we just obviously flip on it and just say six months. Right. Beforehand. Yeah. I agree with you in the sense that, that's one thing the internet is bad for, uh, is it killed the whole suspense of a trailer. I remember before pre-internet, you know, you could only see a trailer, like you said, on, on a specific show, uh, TV, or the extended trailers, you know, which were two minutes long, you only saw before a film. So you would see this trailer, you go to the movies to see a film, you'd see this trailer or something that you don't have the internet to watch, and you're like, whoa! And then you talk about it after the movie, and you wait for it to come out, and now you just go to YouTube and, and just stream yeah. it. But um, the trailers too then had the voiceovers. They don't do that so much anymore. They have the oh yeah the movie guy in a world in Omaha meet meet Robert. Uh, they don't really do that that so much anymore. And I feel like the trailer game has gone downhill a lot. Now it's just very quick. It's you know. the same trailer of fade to black and big booming bass and you know like yeah they, they kind of keep right. on the same formula. But I. It reminded me that they were able to surprise. Every once in a while, they were able to pull um, a trick out of their hat. And do you remember Cloverfield was uh, yeah. a trailer that just showed up? Um, nothing out of was, the blue. Nobody even knew this movie existed. And I think that, yeah. was, that that's the key. People don't even know this movie existed. And all of a sudden, there's a trailer for it that nobody was prepared for. Yeah. That got I do remember excited. that. That works. Which, what's, your, what's your policy on the like found footage handheld camera films? <laughs> um i so blair i was around during the blair witch uh era and so i remember i remember seeing that in the theater and uh it, it freaked me out a little bit i think that was early internet too because i remember you'd pull up the blair witch website and everything made it look like it was real and it'd be yeah it worked to like you kind of question you're like is this you know like i think i still right. know it was a movie uh but and i don't know why the ending image was so disturbing to me very back, disturbing I, and it's I, just I, a guy I, in a corner but yeah pre-internet or early days of internet where everybody had it uh that movie obviously couldn't work today you could just google it but the fact that it, it, it happened the way it did i remember people in you know high school being like yeah they found this footage like it's real and people are saying it's the scariest thing you've ever seen i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh i guess we gotta go see it 
not mind that it's never been in the news or anything like that, but let's go see it. And it like really worked, you know? Yeah, you'd be looking, the footage was graining, and you'd be constantly looking into the darkness to see, possibly see something or to hear what they're hearing or yeah, it just, I think the rawness um, worked and that's what still works. And that's how we can always tell if you're watching a real video or one that's acting, there's just p people act differently on film than they do in real life. And it's just, it's easy to, to see through that. I agree. I think, I still think that's a great film in the sense of what it accomplished and what it, it's still an enjoyable experience to watch it once in a blue moon. If you respect it and you watch it like once in a while, I, I think it still holds up. I'm a big fan of that. Overall, I think found footage films are a lazy way of making a movie. It's like, we don't have a budget. Let's do found footage. And well, unless it's a really... What's that? I was going to say Halloween Resurrection. That wasn't necessarily found footage, but it was doing... Was it was... Con Halloween. Yeah, right. It, it can be put in that category, I guess. I mean, it, it depends on the story. That can work because it's such a beloved franchise. But... There's some films that have done that, and you're like, ah, it's just not working because it's it's just lo it's low budget filmmaking, which yeah. equates in a lot of times to poor filmmaking. Now speaking of the third one, so the Blair Witch Two Book of Shadows, of course, was not good. That was bad. Um, but I remember the, uh, <laughs> as we talked about last time, the third one called Blair Witch. Right. That was a remake, uh, right? It no, it was it took place in the same universe. Got um, it. So it was a sequel. They just took out the instead of instead of calling Blair Witch Three. But they did pull they they'd actually pulled that trick out of their hat too because uh, that was originally called The Woods and they had a poster. Um, oh. It was just the woods and at Comic Con, they revealed the full poster and those trees made the Blair Witch symbol and they said, I remember it was a sneak preview saying you're actually seeing the new Blair Witch movie that people didn't think nobody knew existed. No way. Yeah. So oh, I got to Google the, that poster now. Yeah. So I think it was called The Woods, and then um, the, the audience was in for a surprise because they're just think, thinking they're going to see a sneak preview of, of this new movie, and it was actually end up being the new Blair Witch. That is so cool. What year did Blair Witch come out? 98, I think. 98 and 99. Oh, I see what you're talking about, that poster. With the oh, that's, yeah. that's so creepy. 90, it was 98? No, no, I mean the, the one you're talking about, the third um, one. Oh, that was more recent. That was like 2013 or something, I think. Got it. Okay. But that was a sequel, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're, it's, yeah, it takes place in whatever in more current times, and it's the brother of the girl in the first film looking for her or something. Got it. It's a little convoluted. And the thing is, it... Interesting. It didn't quite work, you know what? What works in the '90s doesn't necessarily work in the 2010s. No, not particularly. Yeah. I do like the Blair Witch, though the original Blair Witch Project. Just it, it was just in the infancy of, you know, the internet. It it worked so well. It almost did its job of marketing the film for it. There was just such a buzz that I I haven't heard of a movie since then, ever. So that had that kind of real, like, oh, it's real. You just, it doesn't exist. People just Google things now. And made a ton. I think that's the one that kind of, I think Halloween up until that time was probably the highest independent grossing film. I think then Blair Witch kind of took that throne. I think so. I was curious because I, I, I don't know if you saw the new Clarice trailer yet. No, not yet. Is it good? They, yeah, they just released a trailer. I, I actually have a little higher hopes for it after watching the trailer. Ooh. But I was like, I, does it take place in 91? Or 2021, I can't 
tell. Oh, I gotta watch it. It, it would might, have to yeah. be ninety-one, right? I would think it, it, it takes place shortly after the events of Silence of the Lambs, but yeah. um, I can't quite tell uh, so far if if what time because sometimes they just move the time period up a little bit, saying they um, they oh, they Buffalo switch it up. Bill was caught caught in twenty twenty, <laughs> and then he goes, "Oh wait, was he a great big fat person?" And they go, "Sir, that's offensive." In this day and age, and it's wildly inappropriate. He goes, I wonder if they would change the line if they had to read it. <laughs> they would have to. Probably. Would you be afraid of, more afraid of Buffalo Bill or Hannibal Lecter? Mm, probably Hannibal. Interesting. I'd be more afraid of Buffalo Bill. I feel like you can outwit Buffalo Bill. Pretty. See, I always thought the opposite. I thought I could get Hannibal to like me. I could like say cultured things. And then Buffalo Bill, I feel like he would kill me no matter what, because he's a big dumb ox. But that's a good point. You could probably outwit Bill to say, like, the cops are there. You know, and Hannibal Lecter just knows what you're thinking. Yeah. He's, that's, I think Hannibal's always, like, three steps ahead of you. Right. Uh, yeah, I'd be dead. Like, I'd be in some yeah. kind of tartar. Or if it's the Maz Mickelson, he would just, like, he could do whatever he wants. You know, like, you know. Whatever he wants. Creepy. Nails it. Me fine. What's that? You have to eat me fine. I'm rude. <laughs> I guess. I don't. Are you gonna watch Clarice? Uh, I think I will. So, um, Catherine Martin is in it. Nice. Um, and so uh, they they do a callback because they uh, Catherine Martin's like, or what'd she say? FBI, you're safe. And you hear Catherine Martin on the the trailer saying, "You said I was safe, but that's not true." And I'm like, "Ooh, I wonder what that means." Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's intriguing. Yeah, so I, it has some intriguing moments, and I have a feeling it will probably turn into a body of the week um, thing. Oh, uh, which yeah. Which is not too different. You're probably right. Yeah, Hannibal had that as well, but they had kind of overarching storyline uh, for the main characters. But but we'll see. She, she, I, and I've always I'm quite critical of uh, her kind of drawl, too, a little bit. What do you mean? Uh, the Clarish. Uh, she, she doesn't... Uh, uh, use her eshes as much as uh, oh. Jodie Foster did, but she definitely has a draw in there. I would like. Oh, you mean the actual accent the actress, draw? Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Oh, that, that's what you want to hear, though. That's where it, it takes place. But you know, I, I think Private's going to take place at Quantico. She's still, you know, a student, so I think there there could be interesting things there, and they have a good cast. It, it, so I'll, I'll I'll be watching. Who plays Catherine Martin? Is it like anybody famous? I haven't. I don't think that they really show her too much on camera. I don't think it okay. Is. That's cool. They're showing that story arch though, because it's it's creepy. It's a senator's daughter. How did she get swooped? I did meet Catherine Martin, the the actress that played her though. And oh, I, really? In the original? Yeah I, yeah, I think I had her sign. Don't make me hurt your dog. No way. You have that? Yeah. That's a great piece of movie history right there. That's a classic. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, Where was she, that she, at? Uh, some kind of convention? Yeah, it was one of the conventions. Because she was in uh, Bates Motel, so I think that's when she started kind of doing conventions. Oh. So, uh, she played the, the actress that played Catherine Martin in Silence was in Bates Motel? Yeah, she played like the sheriff in the uh, the final two seasons, I think. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. She owns it in Silence of the Lambs. I don't care how young she was. That was uh, the whole range of fear to Mr. to let me kill your dog to like, she was a tough cookie. Delia Math is in uh, yeah. is, is in the series as well. Her her roommate that didn't get too much screen time, 
but as Silence the Musical likes to say, she's the one that figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> she figured she figured it out. She, yeah, I was to say everybody gives Jodie Foster whatever, but Ardelia Map in their dorm room is like, doesn't it seem a little? You know, what, he left this note for you, Clarice, right here. <laughs> it says, "This is the killer. Here's how you find him." <laughs> He left this note for you, Clarice. Here's the killer. Here's how you fight. Yeah. What is that from? And the next shot you see is Jodie Foster running down the hallway to take all the credit. I'm like, geez. It's true, though. The note's right here. <laughs> here it is. It's it, it's on paper. It's tangible. Jodie Foster saved it. We couldn't have done without you, Starling. I want you to know that. Well, you, you could have, actually. Yeah. You really and, could have. And there's Odelia in the audience waving. <laughs> I hope I get some cake, too. I, you know, they should have a shot of, That's you know, because they have Jodie Foster running down the hallway or whatever. Yeah. And they just should just our deal. You're like looking around like, really? Uh. <laughs> what are you doing? It's right there. I do like it is right there on paper. It's right here. <laughs> I need to use your phone. I like when he just drops the cards. Like, what? What are you doing? Oh, my goodness. So maybe, maybe there'll be some uh, what? attention. <laughs> what you say? Maybe there'll be some tension in the series around. Oh that. yeah, yeah. I'm actually very curious now. I do love. We need to do an episode sometime with Silence of the Lambs. I'd yeah. love to hear your whole take on it. Yeah. I love the bug guys. The I don't know the scientific name of people that study bugs, but the bug scientists oh, yeah. there that are just kind of like go on dates. Um, it's, it's interesting. They're releasing it in February, which I think is great because the original Silence was released in February of '91. Ooh, interesting years. month. Ten years later, uh, Hannibal was released in February of 2001. Oh. Now, another 20 years later, the new version is being released in February. So I thought that's nice and kind of poetic. Yes, it is. The timing is probably not unintentional. That's a good way they do that. I like when they do that. They like they release films 20 years to the day that it, the original came out or something like that. They try to plan it. So I will I, be excited to see that. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm apprehensive, but yeah, you have to watch the trailer and kind of let me know what you think. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it tonight. I feel like we need to incorporate more lines from Silence of the Lambs in our everyday lives. You know, if you're talking to someone, you're rambling and they fade out. You just go five foot. His name was Lewis Friend, five foot four. I said it from Philadelphia, may have lied. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? My name is Tom Colden, and I'm just kidding. <laughs> I. Um, my, my most silence, I, I still, I still do quite a bit. Perhaps you care to lend us your views on this questionnaire. <laughs> lend us your views on this questionnaire. No, you ate yours. You ate yours? No, you, you ate yours. I, I love, uh, Chilton. Uh, well, this town could be quite a fun, well, this place could be quite a fun town if you have the right guide. Yes. <laughs> what? Hi, I'm Barney. Hi. To the, did you ever see, it's a terrible movie, but did you ever see uh, Loaded Weapon? Uh, if I have, it's been a long while. It's, it's bad. It's Amelia West of It's a spoof of every movie from the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but there's a scene where they spoof Silence of the Lambs. And the guy that plays Hannibal Lecter, they, they interview him for some kind of murder. And they're like, what does human flesh taste like? He's like, chicken. Tastes chicken. <laughs> you know, he's very like laid back. Chicken. What? <laughs> But they re they recreate the whole scene like the original. It's great. Yeah. But yeah, Silence um, of the Lambs, one of those movies that's just it's so good. It's just such a great and I think the second one, 
for all of its flaws, is just beautifully shot. Like with Italy and the music, like they they just it's a great series. The whole thing. I do, and then we we might have to add to your homework list Silence of the Hams. <laughs> what is that? Starring Billy Zane. <laughs> no. <laughs> and Dom DeLuise plays the uh, Hannibal Lecter <laughs> character. Hold on, Silence of the Hams. Yes, Charlene Tilton. Or why it. have you seen these movies? Oh, you know, this 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 one's a guilty pleasure. I met Charlene Tilton a couple years ago too, and <laughs> I think it might have been last year. I can't remember. So and I was talking to her about Silence of the Hams and I said, Oh, I went to visit the locations. They're like, Really? And she goes, I just recorded a commentary. So it's coming out on Blu-ray uh at some point. Um so she, she was excited to tell me that. Who Silence of the Hams? Whoever Ezio Greg Gregio is he's played and wrote and directed and edited this whole thing. Yes, you. Yes, you can. Tell. It's, <laughs> it's Dom it, DeLuise with the butterfly on his face as the poster. Yes, this is brilliant. A Hannibal character. W- what's my, first on the homework? Yeah, one of my favorite moments. It, it's not a good movie, but one of my favorite moments is that uh, uh, he uh, Billy Zane's <laughs> like he looks and he's like there. There are cells like. He said, did you do those drawings? And they cut to him, and it's like literally, you know, <laughs> two-year-old person. <laughs> like stick figures kind of yeah, scrabbles? it's just like, uh, I don't know. It, just, it cracks me up. So, but Is it, it a true spoof of Silence of the Lambs? It's it mostly a spoof. They tried to spoof some other films. Um, I, I think, is it Robert Loja's in it, I think, from Psycho 2? They go to the Psycho house, even. They got Robert they, Loja? Yeah, I think it was him. Yeah. Um, I think wow. even like John Carpenter makes a, a cameo as somebody on the screen. Wow, so they got it's, some it's big names. It's one of those kind of weird things, and I remember it just for it being so bad. They they share some hollow, they, same Halloween uh, location from Halloween Six. Um, Do they, they spoof Halloween, or they just use the location? They just use the same location. So they never spoof Halloween because it's too good of a movie. Yeah, I don't think they would be able. to. It's not. Halloween's not easy, easily spoofable. No. It's pretty tight. I'm yeah. going to watch Silence of the Hams if I ever see that. If you can find it, yeah. I'll, I'll see if I have a, a copy somewhere, but it's a... <laughs> You'll I be like, like, why are you making me watch this? I feel, yeah, I feel like I need to up my homework, game. You've seen more movies than I have. At least of the things we've been talking about. Just by February, I think we'll have a... Sometime in February, we'll have a Silence episode, and then we'll just kind of cover the gamut of... Silence yeah. of the Lambs, Hannibal, Silence the Musical, Silence of the Hams. Red Dragon. Red Dragon. Where they didn't de-age Anthony Hopkins digitally. They just kind of like put makeup on him. I think they did a little something because he has a little uncanny did they? moments every once in a while. Like something like something's not right. Um, oh, I always wondered about that. I never really researched it because I didn't think the technology was there yet, but I guess they could have. I don't. Yeah, some, something wasn't quite right. Edward Norton's hair was horrible as little blonde. Uh... Yeah, he has the highlights, and you're like, yeah. okay, 1982 Florida. <laughs> it's just like... Even when that film came out, and I, I saw it in the theater, I, I thought that same thing about the hair. I was like, what? Come on. It's supposed to be like the early 80s. He's, he looks like Lance Bass. Yeah. And the he, he, was, he was on a good Will Graham. Yeah. It was, it was poorly cast, I think. I do like Hannibal's uh, harness, though, when he's walking around the gym. Oh, yeah. It's like, what are you 
does that exist? That's so creepy. Like, why let him out at all at that point? Because it's kind of a close bite. Yeah, it's kind of a close bite. Like, You're a big Silence of the Lambs fan, though. I am. I uh, that that's not. I don't know if I call it a flawless film, but it's a it's a beginning to end film where it, it just everything works. Um, everything op- works. Opening credits to the end. It's one of those. Of course, there's there's stuff going on, but I let you let the credits roll and you watch Hannibal disappear into the crowd. Yeah. I have an old friend for dinner. Oh, I love. I'm meeting an old friend for dinner. Dr. Lecter. Quid pro quo. Doctor. No, it's incidental. Uh, was it you that told me it's because they don't call it a horror movie that it won the Academy Award? That's what I think so. I think it was still a thriller. I agree with you. And it's 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 a horror movie that's a thriller, and I think it's more of a thriller. Uh, but it's movies that like people, teenagers at the time, could like even if they didn't understand it and that their parents would go see it was like a a dances with wolves uh that everybody loved it and it just holds up it's just such a to me it's like one of those it's not a flawless film but um it's just such a great film you just the the whole ride is exciting and like you said when you watch anthony hopkins uh walk away at the end you just watch those credits and you're like oh he's gonna get chilling you know it's just beginning to end it gets you and, uh, and he's in jail. Love uh, Catherine, the senator, Senator Barton, get, Diane get, Baker. Uh, I think she's just in two things. Yeah, she is good. Get Paul. Get this thing. Oh, and Senator. Love the suit. Get this thing away from me. One of my favorites. That is a great movie. Um, I think we have enough time tonight. You want to put tonight in the win column? Yeah. Now that rehearsal's over, we can start recording for real. All right. Now I'm ready. We'll open up the show. I'm going to do a Friday the 13th Part 7 joke, and then we can just take it from there. (laughs) (laughs) We should do that sometime. We should have, like, a guest on, like your sister or somebody, and then do, like, an hour, and then set it up to where we're just doing. Okay, rehearsal's done. You ready to record? (laughs) See what they say. Um. Thank you so much, Robert. This is always a great show. Check out the Set Jetter uh, at set-jetter.com. There's some wonderful new entries, and uh, I have some homework to do, so I'm excited to get started on Silence of the Hams um, and 9 to 5 and catch up with you later on the night. If you find that other thing, too, we mentioned, let me know, like anything on the hams. All right. I will see what I can dig up. I hope there's a hidden YouTube link somewhere. I can't imagine there's not, but... Robert Patterson. This is Set Gender Saturday. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Uh, and we will see you next time. Good night, folks. Good night.